you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MD, Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are into week 15. We've had one game in the books. We will talk about that one, an interesting one, between the Chargers and the Raiders from Las Vegas last night. Michael F. Florio will join us, as he always does on a Friday. We'll break that game down. I will ask some of the big questions of the week, including Russell Wilson versus Mitchell Trubisky and a whole lot of other things. Plus, we will talk to our resident nerd and ask him about some of the best single-game fantasy playoff performances. There should be uh, an interesting list of names for that one. So we got plenty to do on this Friday show. But before we do any of that, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And Murph, normally I have a question for you every every week or every day that we do this show. But uh, I know you have uh, you have a big announcement today, so I will stand back and kind of uh, you know let you announce your news. 
Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, yeah, this is my, my last, uh, NFL fantasy football podcast. Uh, un- unfortunately I've, uh, accepted a, uh, another job elsewhere. So, um, taking my talents to, with another place, but, um, but let me just say like, uh, working with you and, and the whole group of fantasy for the last, uh, I think would be like almost three seasons is, is incredible to see where it came from. I don't even think that we had tweets, uh, like coming out to promote the show. And now we have like a digital <laughs> show streaming, uh, uh, three times a week and we're on you know twitter and instagram and like you guys are all over the network and um it's just it's just been amazing to see how it's uh it's transformed and become this this awesome uh program to work for and you know obviously going from way back with fabs to graham and now we get to work with Frank <laughs> and and kimmy and and michael we're working with today who i i can't speak uh, highly enough about i mean it's just been awesome so an a plus time uh, and to you especially marcus like all the memories we've had whether it's from combine and live shows at restaurants and just uh back in the, the old studio i i can't say enough good things so i uh, really uh, i appreciate my time here and uh thank uh, you and, and everyone else for everything they've done for me uh you know what one of the one of the constants of this show has been change uh and you know i guess along those lines you, you have been one of the, the steadying presences here and i i certainly uh, i appreciate you being here and all the work you've put in here and you have been as big a creative part of this show uh as anybody i mean you, you talk about us not having tweets and promotions and i know you have been a big part of us you know getting more video out getting more promotion out on this show so uh i i wish you the best we're, we're sad that, that you're not going to be here for us going forward but uh i know that whatever you do it's going to be great and we will certainly be following along uh and then, you know, like like Florian and I said before the show, we're still going to follow you on Twitter for food recommendations, if nothing else. Uh, so I, like I said, I, I wish you the best. Tell Sheck we said hello uh, and, and good luck, man, with whatever you're going to do. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and yes, I mean, we're always going to stay uh, in contact. You, me, Mike, uh, we'll always be on social media messing around with each other. So, of course. And uh, and yeah, I'm like I said, I, I'm I've been grateful to, to be a part of this and help build this awesome thing. And even with with me gone, what you guys have going right now is just uh, it's awesome. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of of you and everyone else that works on this stuff. And I'm excited to see uh, where it uh, keeps leading to uh, in 2021. Cool. Hey, well, I appreciate it. Uh, and we definitely will certainly be in touch. Uh, all right. Let's uh, bring in our pal, Michael F. Florio, who joins us every Friday on this show and uh, an interesting one in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I know we will probably talk. We are going to talk about uh, Keenan Allen and maybe a little bit of Austin Eckler, but just kind of off the top. Did you have either one of those guys started in any leagues uh, last night? I... I had Austin Eckler started. He has been my guy all season long, and uh, I I thought he was going to have a really big game last night. If you told me that Keenan Allen was going to play less than half the snaps, Mike Williams was going to barely be a factor at all, I was thinking, like, I kept joking that Austin Eckler was going to get infinite targets, and I tweeted out yesterday, like, 30 target game incoming, and a lot of people were angry after the fact. Like, I was truly expecting 30 targets for Austin <laughs> Eckler, but I, uh, I definitely started him, and felt a little disappointed not even because the lack of passes like that was one thing but Marcus this guy is your best offensive weapon if Keenan Allen's not on the field I think no questions asked and you get near the goal line and you don't even give him a chance you just pull him off for Kalen Balaj. like what is going on man <laughs> that, that was the biggest head scratcher of the night was uh, Kalen Balaj getting the goal line opportunities and then Justin Herbert uh just taking in the game winner himself uh, although he fumbled it once and then there was questions whether he got it it was a whole thing 
Uh, but we'll, we'll he talk very about. Much still thought he was in. I thought he was in too. Uh, but you know, they had to they have to look at it several times, and they finally decided let's just go home uh, and give the, give the Chargers the win. So we'll we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, uh, let's dive into some fantasy headlines here. Starting with one uh, that came out this morning that Drew Brees is going to be the starter for the Saints against the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 15. Now, I, I read some reports that. The Saints team, all the players, they've known this since Monday, uh, and it has been kept under a very tight lid in New Orleans, obviously uh, for strategic reasons, right? You don't want the Chiefs to start preparing for Drew Brees because he is a very different quarterback than Taysom Hill. So now all of a sudden it's Friday, and if you are Andy Reid, you do have to sort of change course a little bit. As for Breeze himself, missed uh, about a month with rib and lung injuries, but is going to get back for what is on paper, Florio, a, a kind of tough matchup? So would you consider starting Breeze this week if you had him? So I, because of the matchup, I had Taysom Hill as my QB 14, and that felt kind of low, be, but it's just a good week for quarterbacks, right? Like I, to me, there's at least 15 quarterbacks that I would feel 100% confident starting this week when I thought it was going to be Taysom Hill. But I think with Drew Breeze, I'm going to slide him in either around QB 14 or 15, debating who I like more between him or Tom Brady. Uh, but like you said, Marcus, on paper, this is a tough matchup. Breeze is coming off of a pretty serious injury, and I'm a little bit scared. Like, if he takes another hard hit, could we see him come out? Will we see more Taysom Hill involved? Because Taysom Hill did play pretty well in Drew Brees' absence. So I, I won't have him in my top 12, but he will be in my, like, top 15. I'm just debating between him or Brady right now to be the, the to go ahead of the other. I think that's fair. I think he's, you know, I don't know that I'd rush him back and make him my QB1 if I had other options. I think there are a lot of guys out there uh, that are worth a stream, and we may get to some of them uh, over the course of this show. But I think for me, the bigger issue is what does this mean for the guys around him? And, you know, we've talked for the last few weeks about – Taysom Hill sort of being an anchor a little bit on the fantasy production for Michael Thomas, for Alvin Kamara, for, for those sorts of guys. Now that it looks like Drew Brees is going to be back, are you feeling better about starting Kamara and Michael Thomas and, you know, say Jared Cook or Emmanuel Sanders, any of those other guys? Yeah, I definitely am. I think Alvin Kamara is the biggest winner because even it was great to see him getting involved in the passing game last week with Taysom Hill, but I mean, he's a different beast with Drew Brees. He averaged over 27 fantasy points per game this year with Brees and just 14 with Taysom Hill. The targets are more than double, nearly nine per game with Brees and just four per game on average with Taysom Hill. So I think he is the biggest winner. But then I do think all of the pass catchers get a boost here because Brees is the better thrower of the football than Taysom Hill. And he is also much older and much much less mobile. So you're not going to have him, you know, design runs for Drew Brees. You're not going to have him when he starts feeling pressure rolling out and looking to pick up yards with his legs. Instead, he's going to be looking to get rid of the ball very quickly on a slant route to Michael Thomas or dump off to Alvin Kamara. We could see Emmanuel Sanders or, or Jared Cook also get more involved. I think it's a, a trending up arrow for all of the Saints pass catchers. Although I do think I like Taysom Hill more for fantasy than Drew Brees. In terms of like the actual quarterback position, yeah, I think Taysom yes. Hill is a, a better option just because he does give you that rushing floor and, and he is likely to score a rushing touchdown or two. I, I do think the the biggest difference 
for Kamara and for Michael Thomas, I think, to that extent, is when they get inside the 10 and certainly inside the 5, Breeze is more likely to distribute the ball. You're not going to see him run an RPO and keep it and, and try to scramble five yards for a touchdown. He's going to give that ball to Kamara, or he is going to throw that quick slant to Michael Thomas uh, and, and try to get the ball out that way. So anybody who has survived this – first off, if, if you've had Michael Thomas and you've survived this long, you have figured out how to sort of maneuver – without him because you've had to do it for so much of the year and anybody who has survived this long with Alvin Kamara you are feeling great because here you are getting him back in what is likely your playoff semifinal so uh, this is great news for them anybody who had been sort of leaning on Taysom Hill maybe you're a little bit disappointed but then again if you have Taysom Hill you probably also have another quarterback that you could put into that slot and figure out what to do this week uh, especially because I think you you might have been wavering anyway against the Chiefs just because of the matchup, but uh, but we'll see what happens. It, it should be at least an interesting game. I think it, it has made the game a little more intriguing now that you've got Breeze versus Mahomes. Um, you know, not to say that Taysom Hill has played poorly, but you know, he's not the marquee guy that Drew Breeze is when it comes to to promoting the game. Uh, elsewhere in the division, Ronald Jones went on the COVID list, which. Uh, kind of a weird series of events, right? He he fractures his pinky finger, then he gets surgery to put a pin in it. Uh, and then I think the next day, now that he was on the COVID-19 reserve list. So there's a very good chance he's probably not going to play. Reports are that Leonard Fournette is slated to be the lead back. Maybe we see some, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we see somebody else, some Shady McCoy back there, possibly. Who knows? But with Fournette, is he worth putting in a lineup? If you've got him, if he's somehow on waivers, is he worth slotting in against the Falcons? I have him as like a low-end RB2. I, I will fully admit I gave some bad advice earlier this week. I said you can drop Leonard Fournette, and then it came out that Ronald Jones – because I wasn't even worried about the pinky. I know people were like, oh, Chris Godwin missed a game with this injury, but it's a lot different for a running back with a pinky injury than a wide receiver, especially a running back like Ronald Jones who – you can still run him the, plenty, but don't have to really throw him the ball a whole bunch. But then with the COVID news, that completely changed everything. But I don't think enough people realize just like how good the Falcons defense has been against the run this year. They're in the bottom five. So I, I don't love the match for him, especially because my thinking is Leonard Fournette was inactive last week for a reason. I think he lost the pass catching job that was once his this year because Remember, he had a game with a lot of drops. Uh, I believe he had a fumble loss. And then he was inactive, and we saw LaShawn McCoy starting to get used and Keyshawn Vaughn, like you said. So I I think he has a safe enough floor where if he's getting enough volume, he can be in a low-end RB2. You hope that he gets a touchdown. But if there's anyone getting more excited than that, I, I'm not with him. I, I don't think his ceiling is super high this week. I don't think his ceiling is high at all this week, in, in part because of what you mentioned about the Falcons' run defense, which – I think it's one of those sneaky stats that I don't know that, at least I'll say that I, I didn't really pay attention to until maybe two or three weeks ago. When I started looking around, I'm like, wait, the Sa uh, the Falcons are a lot tougher against running backs than than you would think because we went so long this season saying start everybody against Atlanta. Um, and so that certainly concerns me a little bit. And the fact that he that, that Fournette has not been uh, as effective as a pass catcher recently, as you mentioned, him being a healthy scratch last week is a big, big red flag. So I would probably look outside of the Tampa backfield if I needed running back help this week. But if you have Fournette, if you're in a pinch, uh, start him because he's going to get probably the majority of the snaps and, and probably you know more than 
uh, more than half of the touches going his way. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I don't, I don't expect a big thing from him uh, at all. All right, now, in last night's game, uh, Derek Carr went out in the first quarter with an apparent groin injury. He was trying to kind of scramble out of trouble, and all of a sudden you, you felt it. You saw him reach down uh, and limped off the field, did not come back for the rest of the game. Marcus Mariota stepped in, played great. Uh, you very nearly helped the Raiders win that game in overtime, and now after the game, reports are uh, this is per John Gruden that it is a significant groin injury for Derek Carr, which means he certainly doesn't seem likely to play in Week 16, uh, and his season very well may be over, especially with the Raiders uh, very close to being eliminated from playoff contention. But assuming it is Marcus Mariota next week uh, in a game against Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, would you consider putting Mariota in a, in a DFS line? I'm not going to say you're going to start him in season long, right? Not with your fantasy championship on the line in week 16 against that Dolphin defense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate that in any way, but say DFS, if you wanted to get a little frisky, would you consider Mariota? Yeah, I think that's the perfect spot to use Mariota, especially in more of like a, a tournament rather than a cash game, because I don't expect him to be like super highly uh, rostered in, in DFS. And we saw last night, like he still has that rushing upside. He rushed for 88 yards and a touchdown. Like that is massive. There's a reason why Lamar Jackson is so great in fantasy, even though he doesn't, like he routinely throws for under 200 yards. Jalen Hurts last week threw for less than 200 yards and only one touchdown. And he had a really good fantasy day because these quarterbacks that can run are cheat codes. We say it all the time, Marcus. And Mariota, you could say what you want about him from his days in Tennessee. The one thing he always had, though, was the ability to run. So I, I think in, in that is the perfect format to use him. But, Marcus, is there anything worse than I, I the opponent that I would have played if Lamar Jackson didn't put up his season high last week and eliminate me had Keenan Allen and Derek Carr in their starting lineup this week. So <laughs> I am just sitting here super salty this morning. <laughs> what might have been? You know, uh, Preach it to the out. championship. That's what it would have been. Man, if things had worked out differently, who who really knows? But uh, Mario, I think, is an interesting – I think, you know, it's definitely an interesting play next week. But like I said, uh, in season long, you're not going to do it. Uh, you're talking week 16. It is fantasy Super Bowl week. I, I can't – in good conscience, conscience suggests that you do that. But I do think in a tournament setup, uh, he could be a very, very interesting play. Why not? Just throw it in there. See what happens. Maybe uh, maybe lightning strikes again, and you end up having a pretty good day from him. Uh, that leads us, though, perfectly into our recap of Thursday Night Football. It was the Chargers getting a 30-27 to win over the Raiders in overtime. And a game that, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime, was just completely bonkers. It was... It was the sort of bananas type ending I expected the week before from the Falcons and Chargers. And that one was like, eh, it was okay. This one was just sort of wild. You had you know, trading, uh, you know, turnovers and missed field goals and weird play calling and all of that. Uh, finally, before Justin Herbert puts it away with uh, his game-winning rushing touchdown. Quick re recap of the top scorers in this one. Darren Waller, a huge day. Nine catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Got you 30 points there. Justin Herbert. Balled out, even without his uh, top two receivers being very active. 314 yards, two touchdowns, 14 rushing yards, and a touchdown on the ground for nearly 28 points. Marcus Mariota, as we mentioned, 226 passing yards, a touchdown, a pick, 88 rushing yards, and a rushing score. 
for uh, almost 26 fantasy points. And then Josh Jacobs, uh, a pretty good day as well. 114 scrimmage yards, three catches, and a rushing touchdown, 20 points there. But let's start with Keenan Allen, Florio, because yesterday there was talk about uh, Allen being a true game-time decision, he and Mike Williams, although I think Mike Williams is not rostered or started in quite as many leagues, so was not maybe as, as pressing. But Keenan Allen... A game-time decision. We saw a video on Twitter uh, maybe an hour or two before kickoff of him running, getting loose out on the field. I think he either tweeted or said to somebody uh, that you guys should start me. So everybody was kind of, all right, wondering what to do. And I know that you and I both felt like it's a, a huge risk with some, some potential good reward there if things turned out. I even tweeted, if you feel like you have a better option to start him, but chances are you probably don't. In the end... Keenan Allen plays 23 snaps. Uh, he ends up with one catch for 17 yards on three targets and was really, truly limited by the injury. I mean, look, I don't really know what else to say about it, Florio, other than this is sort of a study in risk versus reward. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, the reward was not great enough for the risk that, that people incurred. I guess that's that's kind of the way I look at it, huh? Yeah, I I was struggling with it all day yesterday. I ended up settling with him at wide receiver 20 in the rankings when uh, it was announced that he was going to play. But just like you, I put it out on Twitter. I said, listen, if you start Keenan Allen tonight, understand the risk. Like, he could play the decoy role. He could be very, very limited, which he was. Like, I never would have guessed that Mike Williams would have played more snaps, ran more routes than Keenan Allen, but he did. Like, Keenan Allen was just not healthy and not good to go last night. But it's like you said, Marcus, it's the lesson in risk reward because if a lot of people sat him and then he went off and, you know, had <laughs> 10 catches, 100 yards and a touchdown, which is very possible for Keenan Allen, like fantasy managers would have been angry for the other reason today. So it's just whenever a player is limited or dealing with an injury and they play in their game time decision like this, I think it's the worst case scenario for fantasy. I'd almost rather you sit then give me limited 50% of the snaps or something like that. It is why, and you know, we didn't talk about it, but like Julio Jones, for instance, has been ruled out this week. That takes the worry out of your hands. You know you just have to sit Julio Jones and just be done with it as opposed to trying to figure this thing out. I also, and I, I thought about this late last night, part of the reason a lot of folks are feeling some kind of way about it today. And by the way, don't tweet at Keenan Allen. I guess people are doing that now. I know Kenyon Drake had a little bit of a Twitter rant about that the other day as well. Leave the dude alone, man. Um, he, he doesn't care about your fantasy team, and he doesn't really want to hear it. He knows he had a rough night. He knows he's not completely healthy. Leave him alone. Um, he could have tweeted that he wasn't going to play at all and then played. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Huh. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's done that lately. Huh, interesting. Um <laughs> Part of the reason I think people really feel some kind of way about it is it's twofold. One, it comes in week 15. It is in the fantasy playoffs where all of your performances are certainly magnified. On top of that, it was an island game. So everybody was watching. Everybody could see it. If this same game happens in the middle of the, the 1 o'clock Eastern slate, the 10 a.m. Pacific slate, where there are, you know, say, five or six other games happening, Sure, it's a story. Sure, people are frustrated and talking about it. But you don't have the whole eyes of the nation on it to see what happens here. It gets a little bit more buried. Uh, so I think it was a situation where this was kind of a perfect storm of frustration for a lot of people. And, you know, I don't have any advice for you other than, you know, it sucks. 
Uh, it happened at, <laughs> at the worst possible time. Uh, but that's part of the reason that really at its base, uh, at its very core element, fantasy football is always going to be a little bit of gambling. So there the, it is. The one thing I would say to the Keenan managers, Marcus, is you're probably not playing in week 15 without Keenan anyway. So true. he got you here. Very true. Very, very true. Plus, you know what? There's still some other games left to be played. Who knows? Who knows what happens? Somebody out there is going to get through to week 16 with Keenan Allen on their roster. Why can't it be you? Uh, elsewhere, Darren Waller, another fantastic game. As I mentioned, nine for a buck 50 and a touchdown. I asked Adam Rank this on Wednesday, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Is Darren Waller, are we, or should we start to talk about him among the elite fantasy tight ends? Has he reached that plateau quite yet? Yeah, for me, he has. Like every week when I do the rankings, I started Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, matchups be damned. Like they are just that good. And and we could say the Raiders don't have a wide receiver one. They do. He just plays tight end. Like he gives you <laughs> that good of production each week. Last night, 30 fantasy points. Two week, three weeks ago now at this point, 45 fantasy points. That was the most a tight end had scored since 2002 when Shannon Sharp scored just over 45 fantasy points. And then you look at his other games, like he routinely gives you 15, 17, 21. Like he has a couple of games in single digits this year. Like, yes, this guy next season, I think Travis Kelsey is the unquestioned tight end one. But I think after that, the discussion then will be Darren Waller versus George Kittle as the second tight end off the board. I came into this season saying that Darren Waller was going to regress, that that the Raiders went out and they added a bunch of pass catchers. They, they went and drafted Henry Ruggs. Uh, they drafted Brian Edwards, who we've seen very little of this year. They drafted Lynn Bowden, who isn't even a Raider anymore. But I really thought with all of these guys coming in that that meant the Raiders would spread the football around. Now, because of circumstances in part, uh, that hasn't happened, but also because Waller has been really, really good, still getting a ton of catches, still finding his way into the end zone. And I do think we're going to start talking about him as being you know, maybe the second or third tight end off the board. I don't think he's going to have these questions. I don't think he's going to have these doubts following him next season, in part because of his ability, in part because it just seems like a John Gruden offense is tailored toward getting his tight end involved and, and seeing how they're splitting him out wide. They're trying to get him in matchups on, on corners, and he's beating them down the field. Uh, that's reason to believe that that this thing is going to last for a couple of years, that Darren Waller is not a flash in the pan, uh, that he is a talented player who is here to stay. And so, uh, hey, look, I say it every every year, the more tight ends we can get, the merrier. So uh, welcome to the club, Darren Waller. We're glad to have you. Uh, if last... only they threw to him on third down and not the fullback. Why, Alec Ingold? <laughs> you have a chance to win the game. You I... roll out. You take away three quarters of the field and you throw it to your fullback who even if he catches it I don't think he scores I don't I didn't understand that at all my play call would be Darren Waller wherever where yeah, Darren Waller where do you feel most comfortable catching a touchdown here that's where you line up and I'm gonna throw you the ball <laughs> that just sometimes look I'm no footballologist but sometimes it's it's simpler than than it seems to be made out to be uh Justin Herbert, who we were worried about what to do with him. You know, do you start him? Does it depend on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Uh, Allen and Williams played, although neither one was a major factor in the game. And Herbert still went out and had himself a day, nearly 28 fantasy points for the rookie quarterback. So I was thinking, I was like sketching out a list. 
Let's put let's put it at QB eight in drafts next year. Is he higher or lower than QB eight? I think that is the perfect number for him, Marcus. I think he is a top eight fantasy quarterback off the board next year. And I would very much so be one of the people drafting him. This was the first season I've kind of changed my approach at quarterback. And I went from, I'll just wait as long as I can because I'll get a good quarterback. And I started to think there was real value in the second tier of quarterback because Mahomes and Lamar, you still had to pay like a second or third round price for. But then once you got into like the fifth or sixth round, there was... Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Allen were, for me, the, the big five quarterbacks. And in that range, I was willing to, to take because I thought they were head and shoulders better than all the other remaining, at least in fantasy, better than all the remaining quarterbacks and would give me an advantage. I think Justin Herbert slides right into that group. And then there's still a drop-off after the top eight and the next bunch of quarterbacks. But I, especially if there is a change at play caller, uh, next season, and I'm selfishly hoping we see uh, Eric Bieniemy <laughs> go there. But if we see a change in play calling there, I think everyone is going to get super excited for Justin Herbert because they have all the pieces to be this next great offense in the NFL. I, yeah, I was putting the list together last night, and and you know, in no particular order, you know, you got Mahomes, you got Lamar Jackson, you got those guys you mentioned, sort of in that second tier, the you know, Russells, the the, the Prescotts, uh, Josh Allen, you know, Aaron Rodgers is is probably still ahead of of Herbert, especially after what he did this year. Uh, but I did, I settled on on QB eight, kind of being the number for for Justin Herbert. The only one that I, I had a, a question about, you know, whether I, I slot him ahead or behind, is maybe Joe Burrow. Um, but I think even that is sort of dependent on uh, what the Bengals do with that offensive line, like how how healthy he is coming back next season, if they can protect him consistently, uh, because that was a big issue for him last year. But I do think Joe Burrow might be in that mix. But I think Justin Herbert has done enough. And I think the way he bounced back yesterday without Allen and Williams suggests that he is primed uh, to be a certainly a top 10, but possibly a top eight quarterback off the board next season and uh yeah it, it has been it look we went at the, the start of the year from everybody saying you know maybe justin herbert gets on the field and i don't know what he's going to do and now suddenly florida we're talking about him as the top rookie quarterback i i did not envision this turn of events uh from justin herbert this year i don't know if you did no no i i i did pick him up in a whole bunch of leagues after his first like good game but I'd be lying if I said I expected anything like what he's given us. Even when I was picking him up, I was just like, all right. I think, it, oh, no, the issue was I had a Josh Allen in a lot of leagues, and he had, like, Tuesday game, and Herbert was on Monday. So I added him everywhere. Uh, but I definitely did not expect what we've gotten out of Justin Herbert. It's been so much fun, really, for fantasy. Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely great. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he does uh, next year. I mean, we're, I know this year still has a couple games left, but but curious about what happens for him next year. All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code Team during sign up. Start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Time to ask some of our big questions for week 15 as we get deep into the semifinals of most fantasy playoff leagues. First one, 
Russell Wilson had his get-right game last week against the Jets. No real surprise there. But this week, it's a whole different animal when he takes on the Washington football team. They have been pretty tough uh, all year long. Chase Young just destroyed the 49ers almost single-handedly last week. So how worried should we be about Russell Wilson this week? Uh, I guess worried enough to take him, for me, to take him out of the top five, but not worried enough to take him out of the top ten. Like, he is my QB7. <laughs> I think if you have Russell Wilson, you're still starting him. Uh, I, I get it. The matchup on paper is is scary, but Russell Wilson is still one of the best quarterbacks in football. And it's not like Washington, you can run all over them and, and they're hard to pass on. Like, they're also stingy against the run, so something's going to have to give here. Uh, and... I'll trust Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf to to still be able to put up numbers against really any team outside maybe the Rams, who he always struggles with. But I still am starting Russell Wilson this week if I have him. That is that's sort of my take, and it's it is one of those things where we talk about it all the time. Who who else are you going to find that is going to have as high or higher ceiling? than Russell Wilson? And the answer is probably nobody. I mean, those players are probably on somebody else's roster. They're certainly not sitting out on the waiver wire. So you are probably going to start Russell Wilson, and you're going to take your chances against this defense, the hope being that if he does turn the ball over, which he has quite a bit this year, that he figures out a way to make up for it, whether it is through throwing touchdowns to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, whether it's actually him getting out of the pocket and scrambling a little bit. Because uh, you know, I know that's not as much a part of his game as it was earlier in his career, but he can still get out and, and get you some rushing yards. So hopefully that sort of softens or hardens the floor, I guess, uh, gives you a little more stable floor uh, this week compared to, to other weeks. But it is something to be concerned about. I know Adam Rank is, is definitely very concerned. I know he talked about that on Fantasy Bites, his worry about Russell Wilson this week. But, you know, I keep coming back to, where are you going to go? Who are you going to find off the waiver wire that you feel like is going to give you uh, a better opportunity overall? And I, I am hard-pressed to think that that person exists right now. Um, other quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky went out and balled last week. And now this week, he's got a good matchup. He, he's on the road, but he's indoors against that Viking secondary that has been awful all year long. How high do you have him in your rankings? I have him as my QB 18 right now. I'm debating moving him up as high as 16. Like I said, quarterback, it's a good week this week. There's 15 guys that I feel like if I have them, all right, I'm okay starting them. Maybe 14 now with Drew Brees. But after that, I, I have him in a group with like Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Trubisky. I feel like that is the tier he belongs in this week. Listen, he played great last week. I experienced it firsthand because in that league where Lamar went off for me and put up his season high, Trubisky also was the super flex there and put up his season high against me. So that wasn't a lot of fun. It's a it's a good matchup against him, though, but it's still Mitch Trubisky. And we saw two weeks ago against the Lions, he failed to take advantage of a good matchup. So I wouldn't start him ahead of proven commodities. And I also wouldn't start him over guys like Goff. Big Ben, Rivers, or Tom Brady, who also have really good matchups. But after that, I think he is very much so uh, in the discussion. And, and he's more of a DFS or two-quarterback league quarterback. But I think if you're in those formats, you can use him this week. Absolutely two quarterback leagues. I think you're putting him in. I mean, he he was the QB six last week uh, after going off against the Houston Texans, which look, I get it. It's it's Houston and that defense has been pretty bad all year long. But uh, you could say the same about the Vikings. And, and there's a really... I, I can envision 
a world where a lot of folks who, you know, for one reason or another, maybe are unsure about their quarterback situation and will ask about starting Mitch Trubisky. And I do think, you know, based on who you have, but depending on who it is, uh, this is not an awful start this week. So uh, it's weird that here we are at the end of the year and we're talking about starting Mitchell Trubisky in a playoff scenario, but uh, 2020 for you. I don't know what else to say about it, but uh, it is not it is not a completely ludicrous idea that people will be plugging in Trubisky this week against the Vikings. Um, other quarterback talk, Jalen Hurts, as you mentioned earlier, didn't have a great passing game, but ran for over 100 yards, 18 carries in that game, which is a, a season high for quarterbacks. This week, he's got the Cardinals, who now have a whole game's worth of tape on him. Um, they also get to practice against a pretty mobile quarterback every day in Kyler Murray. What do you expect from Jalen Hurts this week? So I, I'm taking like a kind of high upside, but still conservative approach with Hurts. I have him as my QB 12 this week, but I think his upside, like he could finish as a top five quarterback this week because what he can do with his legs. Like you said, Marcus, 18 rushes for 106 yards. The only other quarterbacks I think you could compare him to in the NFL right now are Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Like, who else can go out on a given week and rush for over 100 yards with ease like Jalen Hurts did last week? And he did it against the Saints, who hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 50 games and hadn't allowed a 20-point performance in a month. So uh, that was such a hard test. I think he passed it with flying colors. And if you have Jalen Hurts, I would start him this week unless you have Hurts and, like, you know, a, a proven top five or something quarterback. But otherwise, I like Hurts a lot. I just, you know, I worry that what happens if that rushing number even gets cut in half, right? Because 50 yards is a pretty good game. Uh, but that is a, a kind of a big drop off because I think he is still developing as a, as a passer. That was certainly one of the things that uh, we talked to, to Ian Harditz from uh, PFF uh, earlier this week. And, and he, he, he pointed that out, not that it's, you know, a breaking news item. Uh, Jalen Hurts is still developing as a passer. So the the potential of a of the running numbers not being as good sort of worries me. But I guess, look, if you're playing him, you are playing him for the ceiling. You're playing him for what the potential is of what he can do. Uh, and the Cardinals, surprisingly, I was sort of surprised. They've given up some rushing yards to quarterbacks, although it could also be because they play in the same division as Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe that has uh, something to do with it. So uh, I, I think if you're if you're certainly in DFS, I'm playing him. Um, and if you kind of have a fringe QB one situation this week, then maybe you give him a shot. I just, uh, you know, I am the fantasy skeptic, so I tend to be a little bit more conservative about those sorts of things. Um, so I will watch him from afar and enjoy as a fan. I think I'd be a little nervous, but but that's just me. Don't let me uh, don't let me completely influence the way you feel about Jalen Hurts. Um, the Bucks. We talked about Leonard Fournette and in uh, him getting a lead role there. We have really struggled to forecast their wide receiver group all year long. I've been getting a lot of tweets asking about Antonio Brown this week against the Falcons. Uh, for you, where does the wheel of Buccaneers receivers land this week? For me, it lands on Mike Evans, and that is kind of me admitting uh, a fault. Because early in the coming into the season, I was very low on Mike Evans, and then early in the year, when all he was doing was giving us like 30 yards and a touchdown, I kept being like, "This is unsustainable. Trade him." Like we were calling him the Jordan Howard of wide receivers. But oddly enough, ever since they signed Antonio Brown. Mike Evans has kind of stepped up and been their number one wide receiver. He leads them in targets per game. He leads them in air yards per game. 
and in fantasy points per game. The only issue is he leads all of them, and he's not even averaging 15 fantasy points per game. Uh, Chris Godwin is averaging less than 10 since they signed AB, but I do expect better numbers out of him. And then I think AB is also just kind of like a wide receiver three with a lot of upside because they will take a couple of deep shots with him. But if I can only play one, I'm going with Mike Evans this week. I'm going to I'm just going to keep, you know, hitting the electric feeder bar and I'm going to go back to Chris Godwin because he's the guy that I believed in all season long. I thought he was going to be another, you know, have another top 10 finish coming. Obviously, this was before there was any thought that the Bucks were going to sign Antonio Brown. Um, and I still just kind of keep waiting for him to get a little bit closer back to where he was. And, and maybe this is you know, me, you know, the uh, supposed dictionary definition of insanity. But I just keep sort of believing that this is going to happen. Maybe because I keep looking at Mike Evans' numbers and looking at his production and thinking, like you said, this seems unsustainable. Uh, yet he somehow persists. So um, I feel like against the Falcons, all three of those guys are startable just because you really never know which one is going to have the big day and they all have potentially high ceilings. Um, but it just seems that it's worked out that it has been maybe one more than the other. Uh, and we didn't even factor in the fact that Gronk is, is starting to get more looks and is, you know, cannibalizing all these guys as well. So it has not been the fantasy bonanza that we anticipated it being. Uh, but again, against the Falcons, the matchup is so good that it really is hard to fade any one of those guys in that passing game. And hopefully with no Ronald Jones and the Falcons mm-hmm. run D, like we said, maybe it leads to even more passing and multiple of these guys can have good games. That would be the hope. We can certainly hope for that. Um, in Miami, the, the Dolphins have had a number of injuries, especially in their backfield, to the point that now this has felt like Lynn Bowden hype week. He went out and had a pretty good game last week. Uh, and now, you know, we'll see what happens in the backfield, you know, what, what's up with you know, guys like Gaskin and Ahmed and what have you? Uh, are you on? Have you bought a ticket for the Lynn Bowden hype train this week? Uh, so, so I, I would <laughs> only use him if Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker and Mike Isecki sit because that's what happened last week and they kind of started to funnel the targets to him. If, if one, even one of those guys are active, I think that takes away some of the volume that we're expecting from him. And again, It is a rookie quarterback starting against Bill (laughs) Belichick, who he dominates rookie quarterbacks. Look at what he did to Justin Herbert earlier this season. I I more than likely would stay away from Lynn Bowden this week. I think he's a deep league play. He's kind of a desperation play. I am not – I am not – considering starting Tua at all anywhere because of what you mentioned and, and what the Patriots did to Justin Herbert. Uh, I would stay away from Tua, but I, I can envision him getting the ball out to Bowden a little bit. Uh, I know there is some conundrum about what his position eligibility should be. I will know that for our purposes, the Dolphins roster feed that NFL.com uses has him listed as a running back. So that is why in our game he is listed as a running back. So, uh, you know, I've had people asking me, you know, why isn't he listed as a wide receiver? That's it. Uh, we use a specific roster feed. Usually you can find it on the team website, um, but it does have him still listed. And it's look, it's a whole complex thing. It's not the right. Look, I, I can't even begin to get into it, but I, I know there's the roster that's on the page. On one page on the Dolphins website, he's a, a wide receiver. On another roster page, he's a running back. I can't figure it out. You should email the Dolphins and tell them to get it all straight, and then we can come back and work with you. But for now, he's a running back. If you really are that hard up uh, for starting Lynn Bowden, um, Godspeed. Uh, because I think he's, like I said, I think he's a deep league play. <laughs> but if we're really going to parse 
uh, positional eligibility with Lynn Bowden, then maybe it's just better to find another option altogether. This is uh, this is Ty Montgomery from a few years oh, ago. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I I don't miss those days at all. I really thought it was going to be over after this Hasem Hill debacle, but, you know, there's always one. Uh, there's always, always one. Time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. Every week we try to give you the most bang for your fantasy buck as we go through some of the best values in daily fantasy. So let's start at quarterback. Uh, where are you going for your value this week? We spoke about him already, but I, I like Jalen Hurts at 5,900 on DraftKings just because of what he can do with his legs. Like we keep going back to last week, he gave you over 10 fantasy points just on running numbers alone. What if this week he can punch one in and find a running a rushing touchdown as well. I think his upside is really high, so I like him in DFS. But I will say, Marcus, I strongly debated your pick, and in a season-long league, I actually would play it safe and start your guy over mine. Okay, well, then my guy is uh, at the same price, uh, Philip Rivers. So we go from the young to the old uh, with Phil Rivers, <laughs> who actually, over the last four weeks, is the QB 10 in fantasy football. And yeah, at the start of the year, never would have imagined it when the Colts passing game was was really nothing to speak of. Uh, but but I've said T.Y. Hilton can be a league winner. Phillip Rivers, maybe not a league winner, but certainly a guy who can, can get you to a fantasy championship situation and against the Houston Texans, it feels like a really great opportunity to get Phillip Rivers into your lineup there. Uh, running backs. Uh, who is your value running back for the week? This one, it's kind of gross. We, we've also spoke <laughs> about him as well, but it's Leonard Fournette at 4,500. And my thinking was if you can get a starting running back at, at sub 5,000, a back who can, you know, hopefully give you, 15 touches this week, maybe, maybe find the end zone at 4,500. I think it is a play that it allows you to get other higher end pieces in their lineup. But Marcus running back is another position where I really like your pick as well. Yeah, I, I've really kind of gotten on the Gus Edwards train this week and he's in at 4,400 on DraftKings. Look, what I do love, and I know people have asked about J.K. Dobbins as well. I do think he's a pretty good option. What I, I'm just most excited about is that it seems like the Ravens have sort of phased out Mark Ingram. That this is now a two-headed running back attack. And I, I've, I feel like in fantasy, we have learned to navigate a two-headed backfield. Uh, it's the three-headed backfields that become a problem, right? It is why, you know, if if... Malcolm Brown is out of the mix, for instance, in Los Angeles. We feel a, a much better about Cam Akers. It's why Jonathan Taylor is a lot more popular in Indy because Jordan Wilkins doesn't seem to be getting any work. So Gus Edwards has been very explosive. He has a nose for the end zone, uh, and I definitely like him against that Jacksonville defense. Um, real quick, we go back and forth on, on Marquise Brown. The matchup is good. Would you consider him anywhere, daily, season-long, anything this week? If he is is active in time, I I do like the matchup, but it, it's a he's a, a home run hitter or a five point play potentially every single week because he's just been so up and down. But I, I think this is going to be a week where Lamar and Edwards and Dobbins just run it all game long because Jacksonville has struggled to stop the run all year. So I'm expecting big rushing numbers from the Ravens this week, not as much in the passing game. Yeah, I should mention he is on the COVID list, but if he has some negative tests, he could come back and play on Sunday. So that is something to, to kind of keep an eye on if if you were of the persuasion to, uh, to play Marquise Brown. All right, so that does get us, though, to our value-wide receivers uh, I went I went with this guy's quarterback, so it makes sense to maybe plug this guy in somewhere too. Huh? 
Yeah, and, and kudos to you, Marcus. You were the first person that I heard at least like kind of talking up the resurgence of T.Y. <laughs> Hilton. And since that point, like since week 12, he's the wide receiver four in fantasy right now. And that, that resurgence started against the Houston Texans, a team that he has dominated in his career. In 17 career games against the Texans, and that is more than a full NFL season, he is averaging over 19 fantasy points per game. He scored 25 against them earlier this year. He's playing really, really well. And this is a Houston Texans team that just last week was shredded by Mitch Trubisky. I think Rivers and his top wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton, are going to get some people into the fantasy championships this week. So why not use them in DFS as well? I do think we forgot about the whole T.Y. Hilton against the Texans narrative a few weeks ago. and it I definitely uh, did. We, we were reminded right away in that game. Uh, I'm going to go Corey Davis, who a little bit more pricey at 5,800. Certainly not uh, going to break the bank here. Uh, he's had just a, a great season. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is playing well again this year, certainly exceeding my expectations. But uh, I like what Corey Davis has offered right now over the last four weeks. He is the wide receiver 12. I know he did not have a great week last week against the Jaguars. I'm willing to sort of forget that and, and give him another shot against a Lions defense that just has not had a clue all year long. We know A.J. Brown is going to ball, but A.J. Brown uh, does not give you quite as much roster flexibility with uh, his salary. But Corey Davis, I think, can be just as productive uh, and give you a lot more options elsewhere on your roster. Uh, all right. Tight end, the, uh, the dart throw that is tight end. Who is your value pick for Week 15? Yeah, if you're not going with Travis Kelsey, you should be going a lot lower on DFS, at least in my opinion. And I, I like Irv Smith Jr. this week against the Chicago Bears. Irv Smith returned last week, and we saw him find the end zone. Uh, and then he finished with over 16 fantasy points. He has now scored at least 15 in two of his last three games and double digits in four of his last six. That is a pretty safe floor, and the Bears have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. So I like Irv Smith this week as a... Uh, more on DFS, but as a, a good value play at $3,600. I'm sort of looking forward to what happens in the offseason with Kyle Rudolph and whether or not they just open the door fully for Irv Smith to be their main tight end. Uh, I'm going to stay in the division, and I'm going to go back on the other side of this very game. Cole Komet for the Chicago Bears. And it's frustrating because Jimmy Graham keeps popping up and scoring touchdowns every once in a while, even though he's not giving you any real production. But Komet is starting to get more snaps, starting to get more targets, He's had seven targets in back-to-back -back games for the Bears. And, and, you know, at some point, I think this offense is going to start to turn and give him more opportunity. I know we never really get excited about rookie tight ends, but you know, Cole Komet is playing well right now, and I think he's worth a look, uh, especially at $3,000. Uh, I think he's definitely worth uh, trying to slot in somewhere and, and seeing what you can do around him. Uh, finally, defenses. I thought there were some, some pretty good matchups this week uh, value-wise for defenses. So uh, who did you pick? I went with Bill Belichick, not even the Patriots defense. Like I went with <laughs> Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback because he has had so much success. Marcus, I went and looked back and since he's taken over as the Patriots head coach in 2000, he has faced 25 rookie quarterbacks. They're averaging 9.9 .9 fantasy points per game against him. Like that is so low. Only six times have they even reached 15 against him. So I, we just see that he makes life really difficult for rookie quarterbacks. They held Justin Herbert to under five fantasy points a couple weeks ago. And when you're holding a quarterback back like that, you're going to get a couple turnovers, a couple of sacks. So I'm trusting Bill B here to have another good game against a rookie quarterback. That That's definitely a, a wise call right there. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, which 
I know it seems sort of counterintuitive because on the one hand, we have been picking on the Cowboys defense uh, all season long from a fantasy perspective, but uh, Nick Mullins, I mean, it's kind of all I have to say to that. Mullins has been a turnover <laughs> machine this year. And, and, you know, you look in, he's throwing for some decent yards. He's throwing some touchdowns as well, but he will give the ball away. In fact, I believe he's got more turnovers than touchdown passes this season. So I, I think if nothing else, the Cowboys can get a couple of takeaways. If they can get some pressure and maybe get some sacks as well, it could be a pretty good day. And at 2,700, um, it's definitely worth the risk of putting them in the, in a lineup and seeing what they can do against that that. 49er so Marcus is is Nick Mullins not better than Jimmy G because fantasy Twitter was pretty convinced early on (laughs) that you know I know like uh six weeks or so ago there was that debate and then was it uh, a Monday night game maybe or Sunday night game where uh, Mullins went out and was awful and pretty much seemed to put that narrative to bed um I think 49ers Twitter has basically decided that none of them are the answer uh (laughs) and that it's time to to move on I know that uh there's a good portion a 49ers Twitter that is really hoping that Zach Wilson uh, from BYU falls in their laps in the draft and they're able to, to kind of rebuild with him. Um, you know, there, there are any number of way, of answers that are floating <laughs> out there, but I think the consensus is that the current answer is not on the roster at the moment. So whatever. Uh, all right. That was best value presented by DraftKings. Time for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week, we break open a pack of cards, and we talk about a few of the guys in there. So this week, we will start with Kyler Murray, the quarterback of your Arizona Cardinals. Uh, At the start of the season, Kyler was lights out. Uh, and we were talking about him potentially as the both fantasy and maybe even the NFL MVP. Second half of the season, it has slowed down a little bit in part because of a shoulder injury, but maybe in part just because the schedule changed or whatever, we can come up with any number of reasons. But the bigger question for you, Florio, is which half of the season is closer to the real Kyler Murray? Yeah, he definitely has faced some tough opponents in recent weeks, but I am still of the mindset that the first 10 weeks for his first nine games is the real Kyler Murray because in that span, he had... 10 rushing touchdowns in nine games. He had a rushing touchdown in every game but one. And he had over 21 fantasy points in all of those games. And in some of them, we're talking like 38, 37, 29. Like he had such a high ceiling. But in the last four weeks, we've seen him get 20 just once in every other game less than that. And it's because he's not really running. He had five rush attempts in three straight games before last week, under 50 rushing yards in all of them. He would routinely give you 60, 70. He has a 100-yard rushing game this year. No rushing touchdowns in the last four. And to me, it's all coincided with after he hurt his shoulder, they asked him to run less because they want to preserve him. And it makes sense to me. But I think the real Kyler Murray is the healthy Kyler Murray when he can just run all over you. That running part is such a big part of his game. And, you know, I, I said early in the season that the the Cardinals offense had basically two plays to it. Uh, it was Kyler scrambles, Kyler throws to DeAndre Hopkins. And the last month or so, there has been less of the Kyler scrambling part uh, and more of him just trying to throw it to Nuke mildly successfully for the most part. So I think that you're right. What we saw early in the year is is more uh, akin to what we should expect from Kyler. Um at some point, though, the Cardinals do have to figure out the rest of their wide receiving core. 
Christian Kirk has been incredibly inconsistent. Andy Isabella, I know he's like, you know, a big fan or he has a lot of fans on hipster Twitter, fantasy hipster Twitter, uh, but he just has not been productive enough, I think, to really be a, a big deal. Um, you know, and this is probably the last we're going to see of Larry Fitzgerald once this season is over. So, uh, you know, Kyler's rushing ability is great, but at some point they do have to get him some help beyond just New Hopkins in terms of, of throwing the football if they want this the offense to be a little more well-rounded. Uh, all right, this is uh, next a player maybe after your own heart, Florio. It is Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he came in to week 15 as the wide receiver 22, which was definitely a surprise to me. Uh, 71 catches, 838 yards, and four touchdowns. Is this season real or is it a mirage? I mean, is, is this what we can expect from Cole Beasley, say, in the next couple of years? I to me, I think this season is real. If it's what we can expect, I think it depends on what the Bills do at wide receiver. But if they go into next year with the same three wide receivers, I very much so think that he is a draftable wide receiver. He'll be a reserve round wide receiver. Like you won't have to draft him as one of your starters. But I wrote about him last week in the sleepers article, and I said I don't think he's getting enough recognition because He's is been a good wide receiver and not good in the sense that he's been good in the past. Like, oh, he'll catch a big third down catch and get you a first down or something like that. But like he's been a useful fantasy piece this year and he gives you a safe floor of like nine, 10 fantasy points every week, which has value. But then his ceiling is much higher. We've seen him top 25 fantasy points multiple times. And it's just he is a safety blanket for Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen loves to go to Stephon Diggs. But when Josh Allen starts to feel any pressure near the line, he's looking Cole Beasley's way and going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So I think that Cole Beasley, I think it's real right now. Last year, I, I looked at Cole Beasley as he was kind of a matchup-based guy. And you know, last year on Fantasy Live, I did a segment called Slots of Fun. And, and when the matchup was right, uh, there were a couple of times I did pick Cole Beasley and he would have some good games. But he has been a lot more consistent this year. You look at what he's done. He's got more catches than DK Metcalf. He has more receiving yards than Robert Woods. I mean, these are guys that we love and that we plug in each and every week. And, you know, depending on the category, Cole Beasley has outperformed them there. Now, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're going to draft Cole Beasley over DK Metcalf next year. You're probably not going to draft him over Robert Woods. But I do think we have reached the point where maybe he deserves a little bit more respect. And you are correct. If the Bills don't do anything drastic uh, with their wide receiver group next year, uh, then I do think you're going to see a lot more people start to buy in to uh, to Cole Beasley. Uh, all right, last one. Tua Tungavailoa for the Miami Dolphins. Um, we have talked a couple times on this show about his matchup this week against the Patriots. Does not seem great because rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick is generally not a good deal. He's been okay uh, so far this season. I think he's been better the last couple of weeks. Is he a draftable quarterback come 2021? I think yes, but probably not by me. Um, <laughs> like, I like a quarterback who can give you points with their legs and just has, like, high passing ceilings. And I don't think to a, at least as of now, like, he did impress me last week with what he did against the Chiefs, keeping up with Patrick Mahomes. But their defense had a lot to do with that as well. He's finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback once. He hasn't thrown three passing touchdowns in a game at all. Uh, he hardly tops 250 passing yards. So 
to me, I think that people are going to talk themselves into Tua, I think because of the hype that he brings, just the presence, his presence brings that we've been hearing about him for years. I think people will get really excited about him because he's a good real life quarterback. I'm just not certain he has that, you know, like top five fantasy ceiling. So for me, I won't be the one drafting him if that's the case. I probably won't either. I think he's a guy who, you know, Certainly, if if I'm you know if I'm a guy who drafts two quarterbacks or if I'm in a two quarterback league, maybe uh, I take a dart throw on him at, you know, with one of my very last picks. But um, you know if I'm just going to draft one quarterback, it's probably not going to be him. So I I can envision next year that he's probably going to be off a lot of draft boards. Um, you know, maybe people who are kind of swinging for the fences and hoping for some upside uh, will we'll take a shot at him. But I I haven't seen enough from him to warrant giving him a shot. I don't think he's been terrible. I think he's been just fine. Um, but I think when you talk about the depth at quarterback, uh, and look, let's, let's, let's be honest here, right? Next year, Joe Burrow is going to be back. Uh, Trevor Lawrence very well could be somewhere in the National Football League. I know Justin Fields is the guy that's getting a whole lot of attention, and, and we'll see what happens with him. So there are also going to be some incoming guys uh, that people are going to take some shots at just for the potential upside. So... I think Tua is a nice option, but I don't think he's going to get drafted uh, in a ton of fantasy leagues in 2021. All right, that was Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. In case you haven't caught Fantasy Game Day this season, it is not too late. We have another edition coming up for you on Sunday. You can find it at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time on NFL.com, streaming on the NFL apps, and at YouTube as well. And that's where Michael F. Florio is answering your questions. It's me, it's Florio, it's Adam Rank, it's Kimmy Checks, as we take you right up until kickoff with starts, sits, and actives, all the good stuff that you need to know, especially uh, for these playoff weeks. So if you haven't checked it out, be sure to check it out. You only got a couple more episodes left uh, before the season is over. All right. Every week, we do Ask a Nerd, where we talk to our resident nerd, Matt Okada, and he digs into some questions that we have on our mind. This week, the question we are thinking about is, what are some of the top single-game fantasy performances in NFL history? And this is what our nerd had to say. Thanks, Marcus. This week on Ask a Nerd, we're breaking down the best single-game performances in fantasy playoff history by position. Instead of our typical top five list, we've got the number one quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and even fantasy defense. Without further ado, here's the list. Starting at quarterback, the top prize goes to Aaron Rodgers in Week 16, 2018. In a high-scoring affair against Sam Darnold's Jets, Rodgers threw for 442 yards and two TDs and added 32 yards and two scores on the ground for a total of 42.9 mm-hmm. fantasy points. Representing the RBs is Chief star Jamal Charles in Week 15, 2013. His 59.5 fantasy points in this game are actually the most by a running back in any week thanks to a whopping eight catches, 215 total yards, and five total touchdowns. Our number one wide receiver just barely edged out Charles's fantasy total with 59.9 <laughs> fantasy points in week 16, 1995, and it was the GOAT himself, Jerry Rice. Rice had 14 catches, 289 yards, and three TDs, nearly cracking 60 fantasy points for the second time in his career. The top tight end is another Hall of Famer, Chargers legend Kellen Winslow. With 14 catches, 162 yards, and three TDs in week 15, 1983, Winslow totaled 48.2 fantasy points. Incredibly, that's still nine points short of the all-time tight end record set by Winslow himself two years earlier. And finally, the one you've all been waiting for, the DST award, is a tie. 
Both the 2002 Texans and the 2012 Seahawks managed to post an incredible 41 fantasy points in their respective Week 14 games, with Houston scoring three defensive TDs and Seattle racking up eight turnovers. Here's hoping that someone on your roster breaks onto our list in your semifinal matchups. Until next time, I'm Matt Okada, and may the fantasy points be with you. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff as always. Uh, one of the takeaways I had from at least watching that video was, uh, I guess back when Kellen Winslow Sr. played, you only needed to get one foot in uh, to score a touchdown. It looked like one of those catches, you only got one foot in bounds. And the second one, I noticed that as well. I was like, <laughs> that that wouldn't have been a touchdown. So like, that, that doesn't count now, uh, but it, it counted back then. So uh, good for good for him. Uh, great stuff as always, though, from Matt Okada. We appreciate it. Uh, it led me to think, though, if you had to pick a player this week that could single-handedly get you into the fantasy championship, uh, who would it be? Uh, for me, it is Tyreek Hill. And remember early on in the year where we were like, yeah, Tyreek Hill is scoring touchdowns and he's giving us safe production, but he's not really having those blow-up games? That was fun because since <laughs> week nine, Tyreek Hill is averaging 32 fantasy points per game. Devontae Adams is the closest player at 26. So that is a huge advantage. And in that span... He's averaging 13 targets per game, over 160 air yards per game, just huge volume. And he's a touchdown machine. He has two games all year without a touchdown. I think uh, the championship round, Marcus, might be a lot of Tyreek Hill teams against the player that you're about to talk about. Yeah, I, against Derrick Henry teams. I mean, I, I have started calling him Mr. December because he's pretty good all year long, but he seems to save his best performances for the final month of the season. He has four career 200-yard rushing games. Three of them have come in the month of December. And then on top of it this week, you can't ask for a better matchup for a running back than this Detroit Lions defense. So I think the Lions are going to see a steady dose of Derrick Henry early and often, and especially if the Titans get a lead. Uh, they're just going to let Henry bring the sledgehammer for the, the third and fourth quarters here and run this thing out. So I, I do. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of Tyreek Henry, uh, Tyreek Hill teams versus Derrick Henry teams. And if you have both of those guys somehow on your roster, uh, then kudos to you because you are probably uh, going to move on to the the fantasy championship. Are you in line potentially to play? Uh, do you have? Well, I mean, I guess you still have Austin Eckler, so you still have some teams left, right? So you have a chance. Yeah, I have a couple of teams still left. Unfortunately, in one, I'm facing Tyreek Hill, so I'm very scared about that. Um, but I have one team. Both of these teams are my two best teams all year, so I'm hopeful that uh, I could still maybe pull out a championship or two. How about you? I, I've got a couple of teams where I'm still alive. I also have a couple of teams where I'm still playing in the consolation bracket uh, for whatever that's worth. So I, I still, I think, I have like four or five teams total that are active right now. So, you know, at this point... I feel like once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. It's all sort of a, a crapshoot at that point. But uh, to still be playing, it's pretty good. So uh, congratulations to all of you out there who are still playing. Best of luck in your matchups. And uh, one more time before we go, a huge thank you uh, to Eddie Murphy for all the work he has done on this show. We are going to miss you. I uh, wish you the best in all of your future endeavors. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, talk is cheap until you hire a lawyer. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.